Welcome to Keep Showing Up, the podcast about engaging in life and good ways to think in order to create the life of your own design. Who is your best friend? Do you even have a best friend? Having someone to count on when life gets tough is a blessing. When getting your crew together, remember to include the one person who is always there, yourself. In this episode, we talk about how to be your own best friend, and it starts with the way you talk to yourself and how you think about yourself. Let's get started. title of today's episode is Be Your Own Best Friend. Kind of two pieces to this one, I think. Uh, piece number one is you're with you all the time. And if you don't love you, if you don't support you, if you don't take care of yourself like a best friend would take care of a friend, you're missing out on an opportunity. And then the second part is how do you talk to yourself? Do you talk to yourself like your own best friend? Get into that in here in just a second. So I'm Greg Gavis, and with me today are Valerie, Valerie Lay, and Justice Winslick. Justice Winslick. Typically, we have my brother Ed Gavis with us today, but he is being his own best friend and supporting his family, like a good best friend would do. If you said it's important to me that we support my family, your best friend would show up, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. And it's important to him that he supports his family uh, and something they're doing today. He's living living what we're talking about, which is great. Let's jump in with the, the, the how do you talk to yourself? Let's start there, and then we'll go into the showing up part. One way that I learned about self-talk or was put to me was, if your best friend talked to you the way you talked to yourself, would they still be your best friend? Think about it. When you talk to yourself, are you encouraging? Are you loving? Are you supportive like a best friend would be? Now, I know some of y'all are listening like, <laughs> the way I talk to my best friend you know, I break it down, tell them how it's real. I show them what's what. Okay, so there's some of that. I get it. I'm not talking about the good-natured ribbing, but I'm talking about are you supportive, loving to yourself? For example, when you make a mistake, how do you talk to yourself? Like, oh, you're the worst person in the world. I can't believe you did that. That happens. There are probably some folks listening right now that might respond that way when they've made some kind of mistake. I've been there before. I've lived in a way where I've evaluated my value as a person based on my last mistake. So if my last mistake was small, I'm feeling pretty good. If my last mistake was a big one, I'm like berating myself. That wasn't cool. And that was before I learned more about the power of self-talk. We'll dig into that a little bit deeper, but Val, Justice, kind of chime in. Tell us a little bit more about what you've learned about your self-talk, how you talk to yourself in your life and what that's done. So for me, when you say self-talk, one of the things I think of in the way I, I talk to myself is being motivated for really anything. You know, you need a friend sometimes to encourage you, to motivate you, to, to get you to go and do the things that you said that you're going to do. And even if you're doing those things alone, sometimes you, again, you have to be your own best friend. You've got to, because you're the only one that, like you said, that's always with you. For me, I really have to sometimes tell myself like, okay, I said I was going to do this, so I need to do this. If I don't, it's not like it's disappointing anybody else necessarily if I'm going out on a hike or on a run, something that's a solitary act. But I think through those practices of interacting with yourself and talking to yourself and being that self-motivator, of course, that's going to spill over into your interactions with others, really you know, helping you be a better person in general. So I, I really think that this self-talk, helping yourself and uh, being that encouraging person to yourself can, can be a, a big thing because it's really easy to do just the opposite. Think, oh, I'm doing this by myself. You know, I said I was going to go for a run, but you know, who cares? doesn't make any difference to anybody. But again, 
it, it really can. It can spill over into the rest of your interactions with people. That's a good point on the spillover of if you treat yourself well, if you're encouraging to yourself, if you're motivating to yourself, you're going to develop that habit. And that habit is mm -hmm. going to roll over to other people. And when you're the encouraging, motivating person, what's that going to do for your relationships? I mean, we all have those ideas that we have those friends, those family members. If we come up with an idea, we don't share it for a reason mm -hmm. because we don't want to hear the negativity or how they're going to knock it down. I've been that guy. I had the golden hat pin. Like, you give me an idea, I'll tell you exactly how it's not going to work. Right? Val just gave me a snarl. Right? Because she's <laughs> that, right? She just, that's not a good thing at all. And I learned in my life, I mean, it was reflected back to me frequently enough for me to get a clue. It took me longer than is probably wise, but I don't beat myself up, up over. I'm glad I figured that out. And to the folks that helped me figure that out, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and it, and uh, here's another apology out there. I apologize for being a jerk face, for shooting stuff down. If you're listening, that's heartfelt and genuine. I've learned and I do better now. And Justice made a good point. The reason that I've been better is I practice on myself first. And I saw the benefit of talking to myself in that way. And it made my life personally better. And it, accidentally, I started being supportive to other people. So uh, great point of view. And I also like... The motivation the spillover for you is accidental. You didn't realize there was going to be spillover. It just happened. Is yes. that what you're saying? Yes, the spillover was accidental. I didn't realize it. So, Justice, a little bit more motivation. Kind of take that on another layer of why is it important that you motivate yourself through your self-talk? I think for me, uh, just because my personality and, and my, relationship with, my relationships with people, uh, sometimes it's for one, I can be kind of stubborn. If I haven't already given it some thought and decided that I'm going to do this, just someone telling me, you know, that, hey, this is a good idea or motivating me to do it probably won't have that big of an effect on me. It's the way I'm wired. And, and not to say that it won't have an effect on me later, but at the time, it, it might not. For me, that being self-motivated is the only way I'm going to get things done. It's the only way that I'm going to be able to accomplish the things I want to do and carry out the things I want to carry out. Being a very goal-oriented person, I think that, I mean, I, I, again, I wouldn't get any of those things done without that self-talk. So <clears throat> being a not goal-oriented person, <laughs> my take on self-talk is a little bit different. I give myself the permission not to go do stuff sometimes because that's what my best friend would do for me. You know, does that make sense? Makes because, sense. Mm -hmm. um, Tell us more. I think the first half of my life, I felt a whole lot more like a human doing than a human being. And so I had to do things to prove my worth. And so being motivated, graduating the top of my class, getting scholarships, being the president of my sorority, those were things that I had to do because that way I could see myself in a positive way. What I learned about self-talk is that I was doing some of that because my self-talk that motivated me back then was that you're just a pile of shit if you don't do this. So you better get up and prove your worth. I now use my self-talk in a little bit of a different way. I held on to the negative self-talk for a long time because it is what motivated me. Yeah. So I, now I'm struggling with that. I think that a human being is worthy just because they live and breathe. However, I also think that a human being has to live in service to others. So it's it's a balancing act between the doing and the being. Makes great sense. And 
Justice, what do you have to connect with on that? With what Val just said, what do you have to kind of, as you hear that and it comes across your frame of reference, what are some of your thoughts? I really like, Val, what you're saying about balance, because it really is, you know, you have to live life of balance. And so for me, as you're saying that, I was kind of thinking, I mean, I guess there really are two sides to each of us. You know, there can really be that negative self-talk and you can motivate, motivate yourself through that, you know, and just for the sake of doing for whatever motivation you might have. And then the other side of it, like you said, having that service to others, you can really use that self-talk in that way. So yeah, I mean, I really just like the concept and, and the, the picture of, of the scale. It's really a life of balance with, and in regards to the self-talk, you know, using that as a tool, you're using it on both sides of the spectrum. So I guess it, that's, and that's why I was asking, cause you had, you had said the spillover. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened to me, but in reverse, because I lived my life working towards building other people up and living in service to other people. And then the spillover was, I actually did start feeling better about myself. I had the spillover in the reverse direction. Like Greg said, when he learned to have better self-talk, that spilled over into your relationships with other people. My positive relationships with other people spilled over into my self-talk. Excellent. Great points. And so a couple things there to kind of connect some dots. Uh, first is the mystery of motivation. Motivation is an unusual thing, and we're not going to unpack that here. But just in that moment, in that this concept of looking at it, we can see that motivation comes in different forms and fashions. And listeners, uh, it's it's worth a moment for you to just consider your motivation and what works for you. Generally speaking, negative motivation is functional. Positive motivation works better over the long term. I think it's Tony Robbins talks about like real motivation. You can push yourself, but the type of motivation that really gets you where you want to go is something that'll pull you there. And that's that positive. What's going to pull you towards your goals, not push you towards your goals. Whole other subject. Not going to unpack that there. But listeners, just keep that in mind, because I know there's some of you that swear by the, the negative motivations that use it. it helps you get it done. And that's true. Absolutely. I'm not saying that's not what to do. Just know that there's two sides to it. The negative can actually be functional. It's just do you want to live that way? Are you willing to invest in some long-term strategies, which that's up to you. I'm not telling you what you do. My experience leads me to believe that positive, positive self-talk. When I mean positive, I'm not saying wishful thinking. I'm not saying looking outside when it's raining and saying with my self-talk, oh, what a beautiful sunshiny day. That's just not, you can't fool yourself. It's raining. You can't wish it away. You can't self-talk it away. Instead of saying, oh, I hate a rainy day. Every time it's a rainy day, I'm in a horrible mood. This is going to be an awful day. You can say, it's a rainy day. I'm going to be in a good mood today. That's one option. Another option (laughs) with the same one. And this is how we can break it down. Everybody's different. It's a rainy day. Thank goodness for the rain. Right. So that it will fill the reservoir so I have water to drink. Thank goodness for the rain so I don't have to cut the grass today. That's helpful. That's a good example of how to use that idea of Managing your self-talk to frame your perspective around what's happening in your life and how to motivate yourself through something. Negative motivation can help. Positive motivation, generally speaking, it's going to be longer lasting. One thing about showing up is you got to be in it to win it, or you just got to be in it to get something out of it. I think if you've listened to our other episodes by now, you're starting to get a sense of who we are. And Justice, like he mentioned, is goal-oriented and he's self-driven. Not everybody listening is going to be wired that way. 
And so remember when Justice is offering his point of view and then Val brought something together, I think there's something very valuable in that intersection. And that's why I went back to Justice to get his thoughts that come across because that intersection gets a lot of energy happening. And listeners, be aware. Your self-talk is up to you to decide. It's your life to build. You can live it however you want. If you don't want to be motivated, then don't. That's okay, too. Being motivated all the time can wear your ass out. Does anybody want to be motivated all the time? I'm not saying that. Take this, fit it to your life as your own best friend. So back on my point of view on the self-talk, self-talk is the most powerful tool you have to shape your life. You can build the life you want through your self-talk. And being your best friend about it is supporting those ideas and that visual that you know is good for you, that your best friend would look and say, hey, I know that's important to you and valuable to you. It's I agree on seeing it that way and consider this benefit and consider how this is going to be good for your life and how you're going to be, how you're going to accomplish it. There's a lot to get into on the self-talk side, and I don't want to give you too much detail here, but I will give you this. On the self-talk, here are some things to know. And the scientists among you listening, I'm just going to be really general, so don't bust my stones about being casual in my references, but our self-talk runs very fast. It runs faster than a conversation. So while I'm talking to you, your self-talk is running roughly six times faster than I can speak. And when I'm quiet, it speeds up to about 12 times. So you have a lot of thought energy going on. It said that we have like 50,000 thoughts a day. Like Lou Tice would say, I don't know who counted them, but that's a lot of thoughts. And I don't know that it's 50,000 different thoughts. I think there are some days I have five thoughts, just 10,000 times each. But roughly speaking, do some math. Uh, thoughts going through your head all the time. It's the narrative to your life. And what that self-talk is doing is it's creating your sanity. It's building your reality. It's affirming what you know to be true. Whether it's a belief or a fact is irrelevant. Your self-talk is just creating this reality. Something happens in your life. You observe it. Your self-talk describes it to you. And then that creates your world. So you have all of this input going into your brain through your own self-talk. Now, where does your self-talk come from? Val, where does your self-talk come from? I don't know. You don't know. Oh, that's okay. You don't need to know. <laughs> Justice, where does your self-talk come from? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? All right. So where did yeah. you learn to speak? Who taught you how to speak? Family. Your family. Right. The family. Right. The people you spend time with. Who taught you the way things are in the world? Your family. Your family. A lot of what you say to yourself came from somewhere. Did you choose that on your own, or are you just taking it from somebody because they said it was what was? Sorry, but also, like, if you talk to someone who speaks another language, some people talk to themselves in their native language. Some people integrate a new language so much that they actually begin to think in the new language. So that's one way to think about that as well. That's a great, that's a great illustration of how language is built and mm -hmm. created. We have a natural affinity for language. But it's created in us. It's a tool that we use to describe our reality, right? So where did it come from? It's been said that 85% of our habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations come between the ages of three and five. So chances are the story you're telling yourself every day came from the period between the ages of three and five. It's also when you're most malleable in learning other languages. It's when you're if most you, malleable. Three to five, if you're exposed to two languages in your home, you'll grow up being bilingual. Because our brain is, brain is plastic. Because imagine somebody under three, generally a portable creature, an infant, toddler, whatever. You can grab that sucker and run with it when the saber-toothed tiger shows up. Right. By the time they're like three to five, we just need you to run away. 
We need you to respond to the reality that we have described for you. You do not need to think yet because you, you're not capable of thinking that clearly. Just respond around the reality we create in you. That's a good survival thing. If I have to pick you up, we're both dead. But if you just do what I tell you and you respond to me, we live. So in that, and once you're at past five, you start to have some kind of skill set that could be useful. Well, because if you've raised children, like I have, you have a two and a half to a three-year-old, why is the first question that comes out of their mouth. I need you to go do that. Why? You know, stop running. Why? It's like, I don't have time to tell you why. You're going to be run over by a car. If I say stop, you stop. You can ask me why much later down the road. So the saber-tooth tiger analogy is perfect for that. I mean, that's I've witnessed it. A little that, So I went into a little bit, little tangent there, folks, to help you understand how where your self-talk comes from, why it's important, how it got programmed, the function, the benefit of that from where we came from. So literally today, right now, when you're listening to me and your self-talk is going, there's a part of your subconscious mind that is protecting you from a saber-toothed tiger. And extrapolating anything that you're encountering, anything that you're encountering in the world, there is an under under level of, will this hurt me? And what do I do to protect myself? So if I have to figure out everything all the time, I'm stuck. So I have some subconscious things. And I use my self-talk as a routine to make my life easier. It, it helps define my reality. It helps keep me safe. It helps keep my stuff sane. Whatever you're telling yourself right now, whatever you've been telling yourself over time, don't beat yourself up. You just needed to stay sane. And guess what? It worked. If you have self-talk today, you're alive. Your self-talk has kept you alive. That's its job. Keep me alive so I can do more of me. So we're not going to fault our self-talk for doing what it's doing. But now we can take a critical look at what kind of saber-toothed tigers do we see out there. It's not the same anymore. Things that are dangerous to you aren't immediately dangerous like a saber-toothed tiger. It's your diet is as dangerous as a saber-toothed tiger ever was. But what are you telling yourself about what you eat? And it's over a long term. We won't dig into that. These are just some examples for you to kind of get in your mind about the power of self-talk. I think probably the biggest benefit that could come from this particular podcast and this topic is for people to become aware that they do have self-talk. I think people don't often stop long enough to realize that they are creating a narrative in their head. They are talking to themselves. There is that happening. So I think that would be, I like that you're giving all these different examples because maybe it'll help some people realize like, oh, is that an example of self-talk? And Greg, like you were, you know, you mentioned where we get that self-talk from, you know, I'd never given that really any thought and kind of combining with what you were both just saying, also for listeners, recognizing that you have that self-talk is a good first step, but depending on who programmed you and how you were programmed, changing that self-talk, changing that narrative that's going on inside, being aware of, of some of the negative things that might happen and, and taking it from there. I mean, that's a, a very important uh, and powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things Greg coached me through not too long ago because I just didn't realize that I had this belief that I just mess everything up and that I'm a bit of a wrecking ball. You know, he would say to me, whose voice do you hear? And I really started thinking about it and I was like, oh my gosh, it was my grandmother. You know, my grandmother, because apparently I was a very energetic ADD child who would walk into a room and be a wrecking ball. And so I had internalized that. And yeah, that just became part of my self-talk, part of my narrative. Listeners, if you have children between the ages of three and five that you're raising or are part of your life right now, you are helping to create the toolkit that they're going to use for the rest of their life. Just think about that. I'm not telling you what to teach them. Give some thought to it. I would recommend not just inheriting thoughts and passing them along. There's a good chunk of stuff we inherit that's worth passing along. 
There's a reason it works. Just take a moment and examine it before you, you pass it along. Does it still work? An example that I see that kind of relates to how self-talk on an individual level, when it's not really considered, becomes groupthink. Mm-hmm. And it's our current political discourse. Now, I'm under no illusion that our current political situation is extraordinary. It just, for the times, it hasn't. we haven't seen an, a, a political environment like this in some time. We've had this before. We have. We weren't alive then, so it seems new to us. But think about the conversations happening in the political arena. How often are they about substance and ideas and policies? How often are they about beliefs and other things that don't seem to do with policy? And as the policies are being discussed, as you listen to them, are you aligning the idea with something you learned before? Or are you aligning that idea with something you've given some critical thought? Because if you're a voter, vote. That's a whole other subject. When you master your own self-talk and you decide, like we've said before, it's all made up. Somebody's got to make it up. It starts with your self-talk. When you master your self-talk and you critically think through your world, power balances start to shift. Things aren't as black and white or obvious as you once thought. And in those spaces become opportunities. And in those opportunities are your opportunities to grow. So with that kind of in mind, I'm going to put justice on the spot now as I kind of just drop that idea on him because I can tell he's thinking. Putting some of this together, kind of what are some thoughts that you're thinking right now, Justin? So I guess an example for me, kind of realizing some some of my self-talk practices that were not helpful um, would be growing up something about how we were raised had to do with, I, don't know, I guess I'll work backwards. So I realized that at some point that I had this belief that, you know, maybe I should be careful about getting nice things, investing in things like when I was looking for a car, because that's just going to get taken away. That's just going to break. That's it's just going to get messed up. So I don't need to do that. I got to be very careful. And going through that process kind of made me realize that, hey, I'm afraid of these things being taken away. Why is that? And it, it kind of went back to something when I was younger. I'm not exactly sure what that was. You know, just realizing that I had this these voices, you know, this voice in my head going on. It's like, well, why do you believe that? What evidence do you have to show for this happening these days? Because even you know, situations change, your circumstances change. What could have been helpful self-talk at some point maybe is not anymore. For me, again, this just that example of like, okay, yeah, I can invest in a car. Like That's a worthwhile investment to do this. And statistically speaking, the world's not going to fall apart because I invest in this thing because I get this. Um, but I was having a lot of anxiety and, and everything about that process because I thought, oh, that's a terrible idea. I don't I can't do that. That's not an option for me. Sometimes you have to change your own narrative because it's it's no longer useful. I really like how you brought up the revisit it and reevaluate it because that's Mm -hmm. the key. Recognizing that your self-talk is your belief set. And the only way you can question your beliefs is if you. You got it. Examine them. Kind of like the episode I shared, the ham story. Yeah, you got it. Beliefs, man. Beliefs are so powerful. And our self-talk reinforces our beliefs, and our beliefs reinforce our self-talk. And without the critical thinking and understanding that you can make it up yourself by taking the time to reflect on where did I get this idea and revisiting your ideas what because... That episode? It's all made up anyway. It's all made up. Because Justice, you made a good point. It's Your self-talk is a habit like any other habit. Habits are neither good nor bad in and of themselves. A habit was created because it was useful in your life for some reason. I've, I've undone some habits. I used to smoke. Uh, I don't now. I've gone, so I quit smoking, and then I would smoke a little here, smoke a little there, and it has now 
no longer useful or valuable to my life, so I don't. There are other times where it was, and even in those spaces between when I first quit and now, there are a couple other times because it, it, I decided it was useful and valuable. It wasn't good for my health, but I, I chose to go with it. So my self-talk didn't jump in there to kind of correct it because it supported another habit. And then I would use my self-talk to kind of like, eh, why am I doing this? And not beating myself up, but evaluating, why am I doing this? And I could answer it because I enjoy this experience. And then the other part of my self-talk would say, well, this long-term is not a viable solution. And then my short-term would be like, yeah, okay. And eventually, through positive reinforcement, I got back to where I was. So that was a bit of a tangent. Nevertheless, so to wrap it up, Oh. Good point, Justice, on how your self-talk can change depending on how your life changes and what you need out of it. Can I add just one thing sure. to the self-talk? Um, it's kind of a tangent, but not. But um, just like when you are talking to your best friend, like you said earlier, I snarled at you. Body language is absolutely a huge part of conversation, of talking. One thing that I've become very well aware of is how much my body language that I communicate with myself about how I'm feeling. It's the Amy Cuddy thing. When I'm when I'm feeling down, I slump my shoulders and that just reinforces that message to my body that I'm down. So it's stand up straight, put your shoulders back and, you know, Excellent point. because you speak to yourself through your nonverbal. Excellent point. Excellent point. Not making eye contact, you know, right. whatever it might be. Good point. So as part of your self-talk, how do you carry yourself? How do you treat your body? How do you sit? What nonverbal signals are you sending yourself? What nonverbal signals are you selling, sending to yourself? That's a habit that takes a lot of work, in my opinion, managing your posture. That's where I started before I started with self-talk. Okay. When I was in college. Because when I was in high school, I used to walk down the hall holding my books and staring down. And I remember how different I felt standing up, looking up, and pretending to make eye contact with people, pretending to be confident. And then suddenly I became a little more confident. Thanks for clarifying that because listeners out there, start where you can start. I started on managing my feelings. My self-talk would say, this is stupid and dumb and I hate it, to paraphrase. And that's where I started, where I just stopped with the stupid and dumb and I hate it. I just stopped with that and I replaced it with, this is uncomfortable right now. That gives me an opportunity to just identify it. And then my in my journey, as I think about this, I just identified my reality. And then I switched from identifying my reality to deciding why it is the way it is and how else do I want it to be. So I went to school, just graduated in December. I'm in my master's program. There are times people out there who are in school or been to school recently, or if you remember, there are times where it's like, this is stupid and dumb, and I don't want to do it. Why am I even doing it in the first place, right? So in those moments with that feeling, I took the time to remind myself of why I was doing it anyway. What were my goals? What was it that I valued? Kind of with the self-talk, and this is one of my favorite pro tips, is if you can't tell yourself why you're doing it, just don't do it. Why am I doing this? I don't know. Then stop. Don't do it. Don't trust me on this one. Just try it out. If you can't tell yourself why, don't do it. Now, if you tell yourself why and you don't like your answer, separate conversation. That's something else you got to figure out. But you can, and you can figure out different things. So on this first half of being your best friend and your self-talk, what you're telling yourself, how you're defining your reality, how you're examining and digging in deeper, like a good friend does when you share, right? What do they do? They reflect back some stuff. Sometimes your best friend just supports you even when you're crazy because you need to be supported even when you're crazy. 
sometimes your best friend's there to reflect back alternatives, get you to think about stuff. And I think that's that's really the really big point that I hope listeners take away from this is it's I, I'm older than a lot of people probably listening to this, but there was the SNL skit, you know, the you're good enough, you're smart enough and doggone it. People like you mm-hmm. You're looking at, you know, a lot of people think that's what self-talk is. And yes, that's a component to it, but it's so much deeper than that. And that's why we chose to add the be your own best friend, right? Sit down with yourself, have that conversation with yourself, ask yourself why go three wise deep, yeah. you know, and really get to know yourself. Be your own best friend. Right. And, and so with that in mind, let's kind of get on the other half of this thing. What's it mean to be a best friend? What are some ideas? And this is kind of wide open and there are many different answers to this, but let's kind of put it out there on, you know, what's it mean to be a best friend? For me, it's unconditional love with the genuine desire to help that person be the best they can be, to, to be happy, healthy, and whole. Sometimes it's just holding somebody because they need to be held. And then sometimes it's giving somebody a kick in the rear end because they need a kick in the rear end. You have to be like a thermos. You got to know when to which. And that's what a best friend is. You got it. Justice, kind of jump in here on your idea of what does it mean to be a best friend. For me, a lot of it is availability. A best friend has to make themselves available to that person for whatever. Whatever that may be, kind of as I was just saying. And that's just the word for me that comes to mind is just having that availability for that person being being down, being there for whatever they need, whenever they need it, uh, to you know, to a reasonable degree. Mm-hmm. I think that again, I, I think that's that's a big thing. That's what comes to mind. And, and to me, a, a best friend, to me, your best friend puts your interests ahead of theirs when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and putting the three ideas together is number one, as your own best friend, somebody has to put your interests first. Listeners, I'm telling you. Put your interests first. Doesn't mean being selfish and putting your interests alone. Put your interests first. Put your own oxygen mask on first. It's fair to put your interests first. And I mean in a helpful, healthy way. Right. So there's that. Number two is be available for yourself. You're always around you. When When you need to take care of yourself, take care of yourself. And the third is with kindness and compassion and understanding. It's a JFZ, a judgment-free zone. Leave the judgment on the table. It's not necessary. Put your interests first. Be available to yourself. Be compassionate and empathetic towards yourself. And I think going back to what Justice had mentioned earlier about the spillover is if you do that for yourself, you will accidentally start doing it for other people. Mm-hmm. It'll happen. It's happened in my life. So be there for yourself. So it's what you say to yourself. It's how you treat yourself. And it's being there for yourself. You're a worthwhile, valuable human being who deserves to be considered, and you deserve to consider yourself. You deserve to be treated well. You deserve to treat yourself well. So other, some other benefits to this concept is after you spend some time on that and you find yourself in a dysfunctional relationship, what do you think will happen? Any thoughts on that? I don't know what you're asking. Okay, so let me say I'm in a dysfunctional relationship now. I'm in a relationship with a person who really does gives me no consideration, might be abusive, I don't know. Let's just say it's just not healthy and it's dysfunctional. Now, if I start treating myself in a better way, start considering myself first, taking care of myself, being empathetic, then my self-esteem starts to grow up a little. And then as that dysfunction, there's going to be so much dissonance in how I see myself now in this that I'm going to force a change of somehow, of some kind. Generally, that can go in a positive direction if you keep up this attending to yourself 
as your own best friend. Life is weird. Life is crazy. Some stuff is going to come at you, but it can start getting that spill over as it goes outside of you and build you up. It's very, very powerful. Don't trust me on this one. Just practice it and find out for yourself. Being your own best friend, showing up, supporting yourself, loving yourself, talking to yourself in a loving and supporting way. My concerned look on my face is the how easily that can go wrong if you don't sit down and figure out what your interests really are. What really is my best interest? Sometimes people stay in a marriage because they think what's in their best interest or what's in their kid's best interest is keeping the family together. Sometimes what your best interest is after, and I discovered this on my own, like you dig deeper, dig deeper, dig deeper. And it's really not about everybody being comfortable. Um, For me, it was about everybody realizing that I'm not the most important person in the world. Neither is my ex. Neither are my children. We're all equally valuable. And that's what's in my best interest is my children learning that everyone is important. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I feel like, I guess, as you were kind of going through that, I've seen some people act very selfishly saying that they're just being their own best friend. If your interest is just self-preservation, maybe you're not really being your own best friend. Because for me personally, and maybe that's the difference, I guess for me is self-preservation is not the point of life. That's a great point. And that's why we have a panel discussion. Right. Because life is not just about my point of view. I've learned that. That's for sure. It's not just my point of view. One thing Justice and I have in common is being Mm goal-oriented, results-oriented. And part of my natural perspective in speaking in a podcast is to give people tools to create goals and accomplish things. And I give them the benefit of the doubt, the credit for understanding that. And it's smart that when you're offering somebody a tool to also offer some philosophy that has been found to be helpful. And so thank I'm you. Philosopher. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. No, that's a good philosophy. <laughs> Let's just take a real quick look at a, a very extreme idea or extreme example of this is it's, it's a firearm, a gun. A gun is a tool. It discharges a projectile at a high rate of speed. You can do a lot of different things with that projectile. Mm-hmm. One thing you do is cause damage to another human being. You can shoot targets if you want. You can shoot animals so you can eat them. A gun is a tool. It's a philosophy in using the tool. It's a care and regard and consideration in using that tool that makes that tool an effective extension of what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and your philosophy. If you're using it to shoot other people, it's an extension of your philosophy with the tool. So if somebody gave you the gun without any additional good thoughts to go with it on how to manage it and manage it yourself, you get some messed up stuff. I'm not trying to speak to anything specific here. It's just people can identify with the power of a tool just given to somebody without a balancing philosophy. Agreed. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of the example for you to get your your mind around about. That's why we're doing this with the roundtable. And I I do miss Ed, but at least Ed's living this subject Mm -hmm. by being his own best friend and showing up for what's important to him, which is his family, Mm -hmm. and showing up to them and being their best friend, being his own best friend. And he's walking his talk in the sense that when he says to other people and himself that his family is important to him, that's what he's doing. And one last thought on on just self-talk as a tool, you know, using that analogy again, and kind of what we've already touched on is that tool can be useful in different ways at different times. So the same tool that can be used in positive ways and, you know, for the good at other times used in the same general way can be used negatively, can be used uh, you know, in a completely different fashion. So I think I think that's one thing also for listeners to to really consider is in this self-talk, 
Different times are going to cause, you know, call for different situations, different types of self-talk. There's not, there's not just one right answer for everything. So, and, and that really applies to all of the concepts and all the things that we've talked about is because life is messy and, and life isn't always exactly how we expect. These things are going to be useful in different ways at different times. That's Good. very true. Yeah. Val and I just had a conversation this afternoon before the podcast about how life can be messy. And sometimes we just muddle through, but we're, we're very, we're extraordinary muddlers. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, we're very good at it. And part of that is we manage our self-talk and we even in our conversation, we used one of our ideas. It's a feeling, not a fact. Mm-hmm. We implemented that this afternoon to have a great conversation. So we're, we're even using it in ourselves. Well, everybody, that wraps us up for episode eight of Keep Showing Up. Be your own best friend. I hope listeners, you got something that you can use and share. And uh, uh, any feedback, we'd love to hear it. Been getting a little bit of feedback here and there. That's uh, really helping us out, helping us understand what's going on. Open to ideas, feedback from our listeners on what do you want to hear? What, what, what are some formats? We're open to experiment. Uh, looking for some subject ideas that you'd like to hear and some format ideas that you'd like to hear. And one other idea that we've kicked around is jumping on Twitch so we can broadcast as we do. Any feedback on that, love to hear it. Uh, So until next time, uh, keep showing up and have a great week. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you're able to get something from this episode that you can implement right away. We'd love to hear from you. Check out the show notes for our contact info. Have a great week and keep showing up.